good to see everybody. I hope everybody's doing well. Um, so if you don't know me, my name's Jeff. I am uh, on the board here, and I'm filling in for Pastor Dave today. He is on a uh, well-deserved vacation in Ohio with family, and uh, he'll be back next week, but I'll be giving the message today. And um, we're going to enter into a time of, of worship here just to um, prepare our hearts for what God has to speak to us this morning. And um, you know, the Bible says that uh, that the Lord inhabits the praises of His people, and so I just want us to be in a in a mindset of of just giving our praise and our worship to God. He is our Creator, He is our Redeemer, and um, just want to take this time to uh, say thank you, Lord, for what You've given us. Thank you for who You are, and uh, we just want to praise You. So, if you would uh, invite you to stand up, if you uh, are able. And um, we're going to enter into a time of worship. So, Lord, I just want to thank you for the day today. I thank you for everybody that's, uh, that's here today. Just pray that you would um, come in power, Lord. We invite your presence here. We know that you are already here, Lord, but we invite your presence to be manifest here this morning. We just ask that you would lift our hearts in praise and worship to you and to um, receive, Lord, what you have so freely given us. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. That's a catchy tune, isn't it? <laughs> I wish I could whistle like that. Man, I'd be whistling down the hallway like that. So we are, um, we in, part, we are in part three of a, uh, a series entitled Stay Positive. And uh, in this ser- series, we've learned about kind of focusing on the positive things that are going on in our lives, especially during the difficult times that we have. And that by doing that, that we can, we can really create some lasting change in our lives uh, that bring true hope and joy through our relationship, through Christ uh, and the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, you know, in the first part, we looked at that, um, that topic of kind of tuning out the bad news and focusing on on the good news in our lives, and there's a lot of bad news that we can allow into our lives, but to, to focus on that good news. The second part was focusing on um, trying to control our complaining attitude. Uh, I think all of us have times where we kind of grumble and complain about things, and, and it was really focused on trying to um, to catch ourselves in that and to focus on, on the positive things and be grateful for what God has given to us. So in this third part, we're going to look at, at something that I think many of us um, struggle with, especially at certain times of our lives, and that's with confidence. Um, I guess, you know, at its basic level, confidence um, or lack of confidence is, is um, you know, something that is essentially related to fear. Uh, you know, whether it's a, a lack of confidence and trust um, with others or um, with ourselves, uh, it's it's basically rooted in in a fear, a fear of failure, a fear of um, what other people might think, um, a fear of what we think of ourselves, or a fear of, of how God might um, uh, look on us and, and you know look at us. And you know, often I, oftentimes I think it shows up in in some of the most challenging times of our lives, whether it's you know. Uh, financial crisis or stress, a job loss, um, uh, a relational um, problem or, or crisis, um, 
you know, something in our lives that kind of triggers that sense of um, just not being confident in what to do, what to say, you know, how to proceed. And, um, you know, this past year with the, the pandemic has certainly shaken the confidence of a lot of people and and just, uh, you know, having normal life turned upside down and just um, not knowing where to turn or what to do. Um, but really, a lack of confidence goes beyond just um, fear and worry. It really gets to the root of, of who we are, of, of who God, you know, created us to be and our value and worth as a person. And I think that's why it's so important to understand um, how God views us. And so we're not really dependent on... Uh, getting our value from how others see us or even how we see ourselves. Um, you know, to be honest, I think most of us lack confidence in some areas of our lives at some point in times. And, you know, it can manifest itself in different ways, you know, whether it's trying to be a people pleaser or, um, you know, trying to um, uh, say the right thing or, or not speaking up when we feel like we, we should. Um, you know, whether it's insecurity at work or um, difficulty in a, in a relationship or just, you know, really feeling like we don't measure up. You know, all of those things kind of um, weigh on us sometimes and, and uh, chip away at our confidence. And, and those feelings of inadequacy really cause us to kind of look for ways to build our, our confidence, our self-confidence. And um, if you go on Amazon's website and, and put in the uh, search box, self-confidence under the books section it'll come up with about 50,000 titles and so it kind of gives you some sense of how how much of an issue a lack of self-confidence is in our uh, culture today but I would argue that the um, the proliferation despite the proliferation of those um, those self-help resources um, we really don't need more self-confidence. Rather, what we need is to cultivate God confidence. You know, I've been spending a lot of time um, reading in, in the Old Testament book, books of the Torah, the, uh, particularly in, in Exodus and Numbers and Deuteronomy, which kind of describes the, the Israelites' uh, rescue from Egypt by God and then their wanderings in the desert for 40 years before they, they ultimately reached the Promised Land. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, uh, the Apostle Paul writes about that period in, in the Israelites' uh, journey and, and uh, noted that it was marked by a repeated lack of confidence and trust in God. Um, despite seeing those, you know, uh, miraculous interventions time after time. And in verse uh, 12, in 1 Corinthians 10, 12, he summed it up by saying, and, and I really like the way the message translation puts this, he says, forget about self-confidence, it's useless. Cultivate God-confidence. And that word cultivate actually has its, its roots in, in agriculture, pardon the pun, um, meaning to prepare and use the land in a way to uh, grow and, and nurture a desired crop. And so around here, uh, the dominant crops are primarily corn and soybeans. And prior to the advent of uh, some modern technologies like no-till farming and genetically modified crops that allow farmers to spray herbicides right over the top of the crops, most farmers had to actually weed their, their fields mechanically when the crops were young by using this implement pulled by a tractor called a cultivator. And what it did is it, it you know, dragged through the field and it would, it would um, kind of till or stir the soil in 
those areas between the crop rows and root up the weeds. And if they didn't do that, then the, the weeds would compete with the, the crops and ultimately reduce the yield. And kind of just like those weeds in, in the crop field um, that are competing with the crops for light and water and, and nutrients, the, the stuff of life, the, the plants, I think so does our desire uh, to control our lives compete with the true life that God really wants to give us by turning over that control to him and being confident enough in him that we do his will. And, and um, you know, we feel, um, we feel confident that he will see us through. And I think that's, you know, kind of the root of that, that issue is just not having that confidence in God. You know, Scripture uh, gives us a number of, of reasons why confidence in ourself is ineffective. Um, and I'll, I'll uh, share a few here that kind of top that list. One of those is that my heart is deceitful. Uh, the prophet Jeremiah wrote that the heart is deceitful above all things. So you probably heard the saying one time or another that, you know, uh, just follow your heart, right? You've probably all heard that. But if my heart is deceitful, is that really a wise thing to do? By leaving God and his will out of the equation, um, you know, we're essentially leading ourselves astray by thinking that our heart knows best um, and, and God doesn't know best. In Proverbs 14, 12, uh, it says that there is a way that appears to be right, but in the end it leads to death. And so oftentimes, you know, we can see a path in our own um, abilities, in our own, uh, in our own flesh, and we think it's the right way. But we're, we're, if we don't trust in God and listen to his word, uh, it can easily lead us astray. Um, in Psalm 51, which is a famous psalm where David kind of poured out his, his heart in repentance over the sin that he had with Bathsheba, he said that, um, that he wanted a clean heart. He said, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. So he saw that his heart had led him astray, had led him into a sinful life, and that he wanted God to create a new heart in him, one that was aligned with his, his word and his will. The second area is that my flesh is weak, and... In this sense, the term flesh reveal, reveal, refers to um, kind of doing things on our own strength. Uh, the passage uh, up on the screen in Matthew 26 uh, is the time where Jesus was agonizing in the Garden of Gethsemane when, you know, he was just about to be arrested and he was desiring to have the disciples come and pray with him. But yet time and time again, multiple times, they fell asleep and their spirit was willing, but their flesh was weak. And so we're prone to that. And I think, um, you know, it's important to, to realize that our flesh can lead us into decisions and actions that are, that are not aligned with God's will uh, if we're not taking his will and his plan and purpose into, into consideration. So the third uh, reason that our or uh, self is ineffective, is because my behavior is inconsistent. 
So the Apostle Paul described that inner conflict between knowing what to do and actually doing it. In uh, Romans chapter 7, verse 15, he says, I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what's right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. So he saw that this the inconsistency um, in his behavior was the result of his sinful nature, which was kind of at war um, you know, with his mind and the desire to do God's will. And that's why our confidence needs to be in God and not in ourselves. David declared in Psalm 57, My heart is confident in you, O God. My heart is confident. No wonder I can sing your praises. The NIV uses the word steadfast in place of that uh, word confidence, uh, which gives a sense of kind of an unwavering trust, no matter what the circumstances or the situation. And in Psalm 86.11, these aren't in your notes, but in uh, Psalm 86.11, David asked God for an undivided heart, you know, one that was, that was tuned into God and focused on God and not, um, you know, his desires. And Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path. So our, ni- our lives really need to flow out of a deep sense of confidence in God. Of, of who he is and who he says we are. And so this morning, I just want to touch on, on three truths for us to focus on that I think will help us to cultivate that sense of, of God confidence. And I say truths because our inadequacy is really rooted in lies. Um, and really, the only way to replace those lies is with the truth of God's word. Just like the Apostle Paul uh, talked about in Romans 12.2, We've got to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. So the first truth is that my God is always for me. And one of the great failings, I think, of of ancient Israel that's described in Scripture is that they often didn't believe that. You know, they, uh, this was especially true, I think, during the period of the Exodus where they constantly complained and grumbled to Moses about God you know, not being on their side, about God being against them, about him just bringing them out into the desert to let them die. And I think, you know, in some ways, many people today see God that way, uh, that he's, uh, he's focused on just, um, you know, judgment and trying to trip somebody up, trying to get somebody in a, in a situation where they have, have sinned or fallen short and, and just, you know, uh, heap judgment on a person. But that's not the character of God. If we look in Romans chapter 8, uh, verse 31, 32, it says, If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? So these aren't just rhetorical questions. These are true statements about who God is. And when we find God, or when we find ourselves wondering whether God is, is really for us, all we really have to do is look at the cross. You know, it's only through Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, his death that paid the penalty for our sins, and his resurrection that gave us eternal life, um, we are hopeless. It is only through that. And, and we can see the love of God. We can see the character of God through Christ and through his, his sacrifice and his love for us. And, of course, this doesn't mean that we won't have any problems. doesn't mean we won't have difficulties in our lives. 
just because we're a follower of Christ, just because, you know, we're following God's will. Oftentimes, following God's will causes um, issues. I mean, look at Jesus. Um, nobody followed God's will more than Jesus did. And, you know, that led him into all sorts of, of problems. But God is always there to get us through those. And it, it emphasizes the fact that as long as we're in God's will, those things can't, they can't defeat us. But the problem is, like the Israelites, we don't always live like we believe that truth. And so we spend our lives trying to do things that um, are in our own strength, and they're designed to kind, kind of win God's approval, not realizing, not realizing that we already have his approval through our union with Christ as believers. And that's why the, the writer of Hebrews wrote in chapter 10 that we're to persevere in doing God's will even in those difficult times because, because God's faithful to keep his promises. Hebrews 10.35 says, so do, so do not throw away this confident trust in the Lord. Remember the great reward it brings you. So whether you're facing challenges in your finances, in your relationships, in employment, or any other area of life, just know that God is for you and not against you. And that brings us to our second truth, that my God always helps me. So again, the, uh, the author of Hebrews says in chapter 13, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So we can say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? So every so often I come across um, statements that have been made about God that are, that are often implied as being the truth of Scripture, but somehow you can't find them anywhere in the Bible. One of those is that God helps those who help themselves. Have you all heard that one before? Well, that one's nowhere in the Bible. And in actuality, we are dependent for God on everything, utterly dependent on him, even for our next breath. And as Paul said in Romans chapter 5, when we were at our most helpless point, that's when God stepped in to rescue us. Romans 5 says, 5, 8 says, God demonstrates his love for us in this, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And Psalm 46, 1 says, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in times of trouble. You know, help can come from God in a number of different ways. Um, you know, we can, God could immediately remove that situation from our lives. Uh, he could change people around us. Oftentimes he's more interested in changing us than he is changing people around us. But really, I think the most important help that we can get from God is his presence in our lives, his presence in that particular situation. It says he's an ever-present help in times of trouble. And so if you're finding yourself in a situation where you just don't know what to do, you don't know what decisions to make, you don't know what to say to a person, I encourage you to just invite the presence of God in that situation and, and just see what happens. Um, his presence will guide you in the path that, that he wants you to go. You know, there's, um, there's many names for Christ that are mentioned in Scripture. One of those is Emmanuel, God with us. And, of course, we hear that mostly at Christmas time um, about Jesus coming to earth as a baby in a manger. Um, but it's really much more about um, him 
coming into the world, he also came into each one of us as believers and resides in each one of us through the Spirit. And so that presence of God is, is real and true and, and is, a, is a guiding light in our lives if we allow it to be. And because of that, you know, we can have assurance that God will help us in our time of need. And so that's where the third truth comes in, that my God is always working in me. So is anybody like me uh, a little bit um, frustrated that you're still struggling with the things you're struggling with after all this time, (laughs) after all that God has done has come through in so many ways, but yet time after time you still struggle with things? Um, I do that constantly. But I want to encourage you, and I want to encourage me with that truth that God is always working in us. He's not done with you. He's not done with me. He's not done with any of us. Paul wrote to the church in Philippi, and we we learned this last week um, when Pastor Dave talked about the fact that that letter to the Philippians was written by Paul in prison, um, most likely in Rome or in Ephesus. And so it's interesting that Paul's circumstances were not a determining factor in whether or not God was working. But in Philippians chapter 1, he writes, Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. So that good work that he refers to is both our salvation and our sanctification. In other words, making us more into the likeness of Christ each day through the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's an ongoing process, it says, until the day of Christ Jesus. So it's never going to end until Christ comes back. So that's a lifelong process for all of us to grow in the likeness of God. In Ephesians 2.10, Paul says that we are God's, for we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So God has a plan and a purpose, and he's designed each of us with skills and abilities and desires and hungers to do those things, to be the church. And part of being the church is just allowing God to use us in those ways that he's designed us uh, to be, to serve him and to do good works. So we talked about this, uh, this next passage a couple of weeks ago also. I think it was in the first message. Uh, of the series um, regarding focusing on the positive things and tuning out the bad news, where Paul wrote to the believers in Rome to encourage them to um, to kind of look beyond their present circumstances and to to trust in God. Um, and I think that uh, that passage bears repeating here, and it's uh, Romans eight twenty eight twenty nine, and it says, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son. So God is working for our good, even in situations where we can't possibly see how. We just trust that he is working it through and that he will make a way. He's given us everything that we need for a true life in him through our relationship with Christ and through the power of the Holy Spirit through his word, and through this community of believers that come alongside us and help us in our, in our needs. 
so that we can have confidence to, to really face any situation that comes. But maybe you're here today and you haven't taken that step to put your trust in God, to put your faith in what Christ has done for you. So I want to give you an opportunity to, to do that today and, and to have that eternal security from God that comes from turning over your, your life to him, from repenting and turning away from your sin and asking the Lord to take that and to thank Jesus for paying that price of the sin that should have been our payment, but he took it on. And through his resurrection, gives us eternal life in Christ. And so if, if that's where you're at right now, I just um, I would encourage you to pray a simple prayer about asking the Lord to come into your heart, that you believe that Christ died for your sins, that you believe that he rose on the third day, and that he sits at the right hand of the Father, and that he will come again, and that those who believe in him need not fear death, need not fear anything in this life, but have assurance that God loves you and you are part of his family. And so if, if that's where you're at and you pray that simple prayer, I'd really encourage you to talk to somebody, talk to Pastor Dave, get into the word, um, especially the gospel, start with the gospel of John, really learn about Jesus' life and, and, uh, and what he did and who he is. And just um, spend time thinking about God and thinking about that, that sacrifice and that love that he has for you. Because it is something that gives us full confidence and that we don't have to rely on ourselves for confidence because we can trust in the Lord for that confidence. So I'd like to give you, I'd like to wrap up by uh, giving you a benediction. And this is from um, Paul's second letter to the Corinthians. And he says, May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Well, I hope you all have a great week. Um, Pam, if you could put the uh, offering information up there, if you uh, brought your tithes and offerings, um, feel free to drop them in the uh, black boxes around the sanctuary, or we've got online options, or um, you can mail your uh, uh, tithe and offering to the, uh, the church at the address up there. So have a great week. God bless you. Be confident in God. We'll see you next week.